This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. there and welcome to another episode of the playlist podcast i am one of your hosts mike d'angelo and on this episode i got to sit down with actor alex wolf who's currently out promoting his new film old that hits theaters on july 23rd alex was super fun to talk to uh we had a lot to chat about seeing as he's not only promoting in night Shyamalan's old which is super tense but uh also pig which co-starred uh nicholas cage and I say it in the interview, but Pig is probably my favorite movie of the year so far, and I highly recommend checking that out. We also got to chat a bit about looking back at Hereditary and his Nickelodeon child stardom with his brother, all kinds of stuff. I'll let you hear every single second of that conversation in a minute, but before we get to our chat, I've got to tell you that the Playlist Podcast is part of the Playlist Podcast Network, which also includes Be Real, Deep Focus, The Fourth Wall, and more can be heard on iTunes, Anchor FM, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcasts. Follow us on iTunes and you'll get this podcast as well as other shows regularly. Be sure to subscribe and drop us a comment or rating. And as always, thank you for listening. Now, without further delay, our chat with the most excellent Alex Wolf. My uh, my whole bathroom broke before this. <laughs> the entire bathroom just broke. There was just like the sink was, it was scary. I feel like it's like a seance is happening in my bathroom <laughs> no no floods happening right now right yeah it's pretty funny me like rushing back to the laptop trying to be cool and casual meanwhile i was like come on <laughs> come on stop like, <laughs> you don't matter i know <laughs> we've all been there man yeah <laughs> not all of us but some of us mm-hmm. i think more than the, oh, are yeah. willing to admit <laughs> hopefully you don't need to go anytime soon and we'll we'll just deal with that later totally i just i'm honestly worried like a big flood is gonna come out that's like what it was like it was yeah it was teasing that sorry no that's awesome uh i'm sorry but it's awesome um so i'll just i'll jump right into it and and just first off thanks for joining the podcast i really appreciate you coming to talk um but uh i want to jump right in with old because I saw that this week. I saw Pig this week. Really liked how under the skin old got, you know, on yeah. me. It's just like one of those unnerving kind of movies the whole time. M. Night movies are so like shrouded in secrecy. And when a new film is announced, you know, we're lucky to even get the title, let alone a premise. On the other side of it, like, what was it like for you? Did you get anything for this? Did you read the graphic novel? Did you read the script? Or was it just like M. Night's Involved, I'm Involved? I mean, I will say that M. Night's Involved, I'm Involved was my first thought. You know, I I didn't need all the materials. But something, secrecy is cool. I think, you know, to some degree, I think it can be great and and preserving the maybe integrity of the, the movie and making sure people don't go out and try and get like the spark notes of what happens but I will say that that night 
was really, really uh, open about the script in terms of he sent it to me pretty early on and we had a time limit on reading it, but it was still like, I felt that that was pretty incredible. And a lot of directors don't let their actors read the script, especially if it's such a high caliber secrecy prone movie like this. Yeah. Um, and so I felt on our side, we actually were let in pretty, pretty um, um, humanly on this movie. We, we were, it was kind of, he was kind of liberal with giving us scripts and, and, and I got the graphic novel very early on. And yeah, I felt very lucky in that way because I think it helped me really provide a great baseline for this character because it goes through a lot of changes, literally. Yes. And so I had to uh, prepare and, and I think some, one of the most helpful parts of playing Trent was really focusing on that first half when it was played by a little kid and trying to say those lines out loud and get them really in my system before I even came into the movie. Interesting. I won't spoil anything that the trailer doesn't spoil, but basically the premise, you know, there's this mysterious beach that affects time and aging. And it's a real that you play like kind of this six year old trapped in, in a young adult's body. And it's got to be like just hearing about it, one of the more unique roles to kind of like inhabit. I'm curious what the the prep was to play someone who was basically a child, but looked like you. Yeah. Um well, the good news is that I'm already basically a child who looks like me, so that, that didn't take that much. Um, but, you know, sometimes if you think about, like, an actor's process, it can make people kind of roll their eyes because it is really cushy and really, really, really lucky to be doing it at all. And, and um, But in, in terms of this, I had to really, really dive deep into some child psychology and figuring out some of more the physical aspects of the way they see the world, which is very, very differently, just even um, physically, just how, you know, you notice that a kid's uh, body language is, is, is very different. And it, especially if things are this big, I mean, when you're a kid, it's all weird. And I felt like that kind of helped. No one on the podcast just saw that I was flailing my arms around to make a point, <laughs> but I realized it's not visual. So I just sounded like a bumbling idiot. But I read a lot of um, Piaget, this child psychologist, and I read a lot of literature, uh, Piaget's work, which is very dense and very tough to, to grasp. And so after reading a bunch of his literature, I read this Piaget primer that was written by these two great uh, women who talked about um, uh, his concepts and helped me understand it in a more streamlined, palpable way. And then also I was very affected by this book by Bruno Bettelheim um, that's all about fairy tales. And I learned a lot about, not necessarily even learned, I more absorbed the power of allegorical storytelling and how much emotional resonances these kind of more uh, fantastical stories have. And so I think it helped me sink into this kind of story, which is one thing on the surface, and there's a whole other level of metaphor and pain and um, deep philosophical uh, grapplings, <laughs> if that's <laughs> a word, underneath what's going on, which is a high stakes, fun fantasy thriller. So I think uh, that was really helpful. But at the same time, I just had to dive deep into myself as a kid. You know, I'm, I'm half joking that I'm just a kid and an adult's body, but that's how I feel that I am. And a lot of people say that, but I think I genuinely am pretty wild and fun and uninhibited as a person. So um, I think I had to bring that to the surface and also uh, watch a lot of old videos of myself and maybe face certain elements or personality traits that I tried to bury, uh, trying to bury (laughs) over the years, you know, to to survive and to fit in with other people. I I think it was just a, a combination of those things. 
Yeah. I suppose you are in a unique place where you can kind of, you have footage, uh, a lot of footage of, of you yeah. as a child to just kind of go and look back on. And, you know, obviously you have to do the research for it. You can't really show up on playgrounds and be like, Hey, little boy, what's your thing all about? And <laughs> you know, just kind of like, <laughs> no, <you're> not. <laughs> that's not cool. So yeah, it's good to see that, you know, you're, you're uh, doing a lot of psychological research here, but as far as M you take that sip of water. Take the sip of water. Oh, take I'm gonna do it. He, mm. I just want everyone to know he was lifting you hear that, guys? water and it was making me uncomfortable. How it was <laughs> hovering there in your hand, and you couldn't decide whether to do you take the sip of water or you take the second. Getting back to to M Night, uh, he's obviously like this master of tone. A lot of his films, he he rides that kind of unnerving tone that I was talking about earlier. But I'm curious what a set with with M Night feels like, especially when you're on like the sunny beach and you know everything. The ocean's right there. Everything's fun. Uh, does M Knight have to come up to you and like whisper dark shit in your ear to to kind of like keep you down, or are you able to like yeah, that's, keep that, your that, head that, in the that, zone? He goes up and he whispers dark shit in your ear, <laughs> just like a shady beach, a dark forest. Okay, thanks. I got it. <laughs> a night sky. He just whispers very like comfortable things, nice things. <laughs> I think it depended on the day. I think that it was always pleasurable and always exhilarating and always one of the most creatively uh, nourishing experiences I've ever had by a long shot. You know, I'm, I'm learning so much and I'm also enjoying myself so much with working with him. But with that comes a lot of different uh, facets of that, a lot of different versions of that. One day it's a really kind of giddy day. We're doing a big shot he's really happy with, or one day it's kind of a more serious day, or one day it's a more emotional day. Um, and I find that, that that unpredictability is exactly what keeps it exciting. And that he, uh, the one thing he always is, is raw and real. And I find that that is very rare, especially in a director. Usually directors are trying to play games with their actors or manipulate them. And, and that is not night. He's just, he gets really excited if you do a good job and he gets really disappointed if you do a bad job. And, and I work very well that way. I, I find that, uh, I don't know, maybe it's the way I was raised or something, but I like that. I like that those stakes. I, I also find that he's extremely supportive and extremely caring. And and he's a he's a special guy, a new up and coming filmmaker. I'm not Shyamalan. <laughs> yeah, he's really he's going places, you know, that guy. I think so. I think this is the start of a beautiful career. So switching gears to talk about Pig because it's genuinely one of my favorite movies of the year probably my favorite movie of the year so far oh that's awesome yeah not only do you have this m night Shyamalan movie you know hitting theaters but there's also this film where you're starring opposite Nicolas Cage it's this unique premise again where you know you're you're this guy that's basically helping Nick Cage find a missing truffle pig and when you're pitched that movie again is it like okay Nick Cage yes or is it like wait what truffle pig you're gonna have to tell what's going on here did you (laughs) was there something no, it's the first. Oh, it is. I mean, I, I here's the deal. So I read the um, synopsis and I said, "Oh, I want to do this. This sounds amazing." I was I, before I even read the script. I said, "This sounds there's there, this script would have to be really bad for me to not want to do the road trip." And then I saw that Nick was in it, and I was almost in tears because you know he's part of the whole reason I'm even acting. He's one the whole reason I even got into uh, really uh, took it seriously as an actor, and and even more than that, keep, keeps it seriously, keeps me inspired. You know, um, he's someone who's always keeping everyone on their toes toes and and does a uh, a brilliant 
breathtaking, uh, risk-taking performance in every single movie it does, no matter what the genre. And so I just felt like it was one of the most just purely happy I've ever been was, was getting asked to be in this movie of my whole life. Since I was a kid, I remember I'd just come out of kind of a tricky time. I had this weird, I, I, I'd lost a bunch of weight for this movie, this other movie, and I had all these health problems and, and I was in and out of the hospital. And then I kind of went on a little trip by myself and kind of pulled my health back together. And then right after I was asked to be in this movie and it felt like a gift from the heavens. And I was <laughs> felt so lucky and so excited michelle who's on this on this podcast my publicist was with me waiting for like these health results and things right before i did this movie and i was in kind of a dark place so getting to do this and having nick guide me out of it because we we would have all these conversations i'd just been dumped i'd had all these things happen to me and i was feeling kind of down and nick and i just came together at the perfect moment and that i mean that had to be special because this isn't one of those like Hey, you're just kind of in it for a minute. And then, you know, he's off doing it, which would have been great too, which also would have been great, you know? Yeah. Just to get a scene with him. But you guys like are genuinely, it's almost like a two hander where you're two hander. Yeah. It's like Midnight Cowboy or something. Yeah. I guess, you know, a lot of people are saying like, it's, it's some take on the John Wick, you know, universe, but it's so, so much deeper and more thoughtful and it's not action oriented at all. Sorry for those that are looking for Nick Cage to just go batshit crazy and, and stab people, but it, it's a very different type of heavyweight film. And he's known for swinging for the fences in certain takes or taking it down. Did he have that approach here? Or was he just like he had the, the character down and this is what you're going to get? Well, I think in terms of the John Wick thing, I think he he's concerned about it, you know, um, to be frank. I think Nick is, um, we're really sensitive. Nick and I, that's one of the main things, we're really sensitive. And I think, and, and I don't want to speak for him, but I think it hurt his feelings a little bit when it said the John Wick thing, because mm-hmm. this is so tender and we put our hearts on the line and we love, and I love John Wick, whatever. I think it just, for some reason, it, it, it maybe made us feel a little. Um, it's mislabeled. Bad. Yeah, it was mislabeled or it made us feel like, um, I don't know, I, I can't find the right word. It just, I had a sad feeling a little bit when I saw that. But at the same time, I had a little bit of a different interpretation after the initial, wait, what? I had a different thing where I'm like, you know, I think what a fun surprise. I think a lot of people are going to go see it then. And instead, we've kind of tricked them into having an emotional experience. And I think that that is... Uh, this movie is more intense and more uh, of a revenge story and more violent in in an emotional way. You know, there's a couple lines that come out of people's mouths that are more cutting than the knife or a gun could ever be. You know, I think people get used to just kind of zoning out watching something like that. And I think instead they're going to be actually impacted by this movie, actually both physically, emotionally. So in my mind, it's a fun, uh, it's a fun di- uh, diversion from what they're expecting. Yeah, that is really, really misleading. But it's, that's the thing is it's not even, it's not even on that same, it's not just like a little off. It's like really a whole different species of a movie. It's really yes. more along the lines of Rain Man or, or uh, yeah, or Midnight Cowboy or The Odd Couple or Butch Cassidy. You know, it's kind of a buddy love story. In terms of his approach, I think that Nick is always an artist and Nick is always thinking vulnerably and coming from inside. And and I think Rage Cage is so fun and all these things are great, but but I think that every movie is different. I don't think he approaches anything with too much of a style or his history. When the camera's on you and you're on set, all your other shit floats away, all your whatever mythos or anything, that's all, you know, it's, a, it's like a... 
being on the basketball court with a great player at a certain point, you just want to get them to stop making points or you, or you, you know, want to just assist them and help them make the points. You know, you're not thinking about, Oh my God, this person has five rings or something. And yet that <laughs> is the case with Nick. So I think it, he just approached it humbly and beautifully and seriously. Absolutely. It, again, it's, it's one of my favorites of the year and I, I am dragging a million people to see it if I can. Good. So yeah, and, and I, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up Hereditary because, you know, another one that everyone at the playlist talks about still, um, one of my favorites of the last decade. I feel like Toni Collette gets a lot of attention for the film and rightfully so. She's amazing. But you also give a, one hell of a performance in that one. And what do you think was so special about that? How was everybody able to bring their A game and, and, and uh, how do you look at it today? At the time, I thought this guy's a genius. And then later I've thought, wow, he's really a genius. You know, I've seen a million movies now kind of imitating his directorial style and trying to mirror that. And I think he kind of changed the way we look at horror and changed mm-hmm. the way we look at our, our innermost, uh, nastiest parts of ourselves. And I think, um, I don't know, I feel that that movie, we just really weren't approaching it like a horror movie. We were really acting in it as if it was like in the bedroom or as if it was like the ice storm. And we really played it like that and, and went for our, you know, kind of deep, you know, the, the parts again, that we've tried to repress. It was like an expression of a nightmare, an expression of our id, of our uh, um, disgusting insides. And I think that is once in a lifetime. You don't have an experience where you're allowed to do that all the time. And so I think that going for it, like it was a truly just um, absolute nightmare of a drama, just the worst case scenario that could happen, couched in his directorial uh, uh, flares and, and, the the horror underbelly that was creeping up on the movie it's almost like uh he tricks you into thinking you're just watching a drama and then he tortures you forever letting your guard down and so i just think that's that's a, a, an amazing masterful switch he did and i feel really really proud of him and he's just become you know one of the hottest amazing directors on the planet and he's hot he's a hot mm-hmm. guy <laughs> yeah every movie of his i walk up going that fucked me up that fucked me up really bad. <laughs> yeah. well, In the best of way. Important. I think it's important actually that now people remove that and more see that that that, that Hereditary is like a it could be a Bergman movie or it could be one of the, <laughs> yeah more kind of uh, European. He loves like Ugetsu and all these ghost stories. In some in some ways, he he's gonna be like uh, Andrew Hay or he's gonna be like one of these. Uh, real auteurs. I think he made two really disturbing movies, but I think his next one's not going to be disturbing. And, and and instead, it's going to more be like the cook, his wife, the uh, thief, and her lover. You know that one, or, mm-hmm. or one of these more deeply disturbing movies in a Michael Haneke way or something. I think I think people got to remove the disturbing a- aspect and not just going and expecting something really freaky. I think in the future he's going to make some really important, beautiful dramas like PTA or something. I think that's that's the direction he's heading. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I, and I don't mean it, it fucked me up in a freaky way, like in my emotional core, yeah. I always walk out of his movies like that. I agree. I think he'll <laughs> continue that. If I know Ari, he'll continue doing that. So as some people know, some people don't, you know, uh, you started out as a child actor uh, with your brother on Nickelodeon, surprisingly in, in kind of watching the movies, talking about the movies this past couple of weeks, 
you know, a lot of people don't know about that. So, you know, there are a lot of cases where child actors get chewed up by the business or they become disillusioned or they spin out in a number of ways. And you and your brother kind of seem like you've had this. You seem well adjusted. You seem like good, kind people. Uh, and I don't mean well, to insult child actors. What's that? Yeah, I don't know you. You must not know us very well. Uh, but yeah, I, I guess I'm just a wonder, wondering about where the business is now. Is it maybe a little less scarring to child actors? Or did you still have instances where things could have gone you know, pretty rough if you didn't have the right people kind of guiding the ship? I think that the business is rough for all actors. I yeah. think that it's a really, really tough thing. And um, I have been chewed. I've been spit out. I've been re-ingested. I've been thrown up. I've been, I've been every phase. So I think now it's just like, I don't give a shit. I just really don't. I'm like, I just want to make really good stuff. And if I make really bad stuff, it's like, fuck it. I'm just going to keep going. It's like, uh, you know, I think Knight is a great uh, inspiration of someone who's just kept going and made number one movies in three decades. And Nick, you know, is someone who has just been through the ringer. I think at a certain point, it really liberates you being important and then not important and then important again and then not important. Like, I know this is a really nice moment having these two movies I'm really proud of come out. And I also know that in a couple months, people are probably going to forget who I am. So I have to just kind of zone into the work and what's important. And even more than that, I have to keep inhaling um, art. You know, I have to keep watching great movies. Um, that's more important than even me doing movies because I think it's it enhances me as an artist. So I um, I don't know. I don't. I, it, it, the the success aspects of the business just have nothing to do with me. So I got to just keep doing what I like, and if people like it, then that's really cool. But if people don't like it, it's also really cool. You just got to kind of deal with it. You got to roll the dice on on what moves you personally, and and hopefully those projects turn out. Yeah, because because yeah. usually it works better. Even if yeah. people don't like it, I feel like you end up feeling better. And you know, there's nothing worse than not giving your all or not being in something that's that you know is not very good, and people like it. That's hard. You know, you feel like Salieri and, and Amadeus or something. You know, you just you got to really zone into what you care about. I mean, there there's something to be said about blockbuster filmmaking, and you've you've got the Jumanji franchise, which has no right to be as good as it is, but it, they're really fun films, like really fair. engaging. And it's not, it's not <laughs> fair about the blockbusters. It's not really fair. <laughs> yeah, but either way, I mean, as far as, you know, what you have coming next, uh, I saw on IMDb, the arbiter of truth for all industry news, <laughs> um, that you're in this this project called The Line with Scoop yeah. Perry and John Malkovich and Jessica yeah, Barden. Really yeah, so what's what's no, going on with that? changing around a bit but it definitely is um gonna be john malkovich and me and i'm, I'm very mm. excited for that i'm doing another movie before that i think it's gonna come out soon or the news is gonna come out soon so i'm doing that in a, a couple months and then i'm gonna be directing a movie in the spring with one of the coolest best lead actresses in the world who you know you're definitely gonna know but i'm just gonna wait on that to announce it <laughs> But I have, uh, yeah, those three movies are, are happening. And so that'll be very exciting. So I didn't know you were jumping in directorially. How how far along are you with this? Well, I made a movie last year called The Cat in the Moon. Um, that you I really? Packed. I'm going to have to jump on that. Yeah, it's it's a, it's it's really good. I'm really I'm proud of it. Um, it's uh, me and Mike Epps and Skylar Zondo and um, a lot of good people in it. Uh, and then this next one. So this will be my second one in the in the spring of 2021. Nice. So what can you tease anything about what it's about premise wise? I'm going to tease zero, but it's <laughs> I'm in it and this great actress is in it. And that's, that's all I'll say now. You son <laughs> of a bitch. No, that's fine. Uh, I'll, I'll be just as pleased hearing about it. And then whenever it gets announced, uh, anything else, you know, it, as far as the, the Jumanji of it all, is there another one of those in the works? I know it seemed like there was going to be another one. 
Same. I don't know. They got to email me. <laughs> Come on, guys, I want to be in it. I, they're probably, you know, they'll probably someone else better will be in it. But um, if, if, if they do call me, that'd be really great. I, I certainly hope they don't lose you guys because, you know, you guys are the, kind of the heart of the film. So fingers crossed on that. Yeah, fingers crossed. Um, well, I don't want to take up too much of your time. But uh, again, thanks for joining me to talk about Old, which it's theaters July 23rd and Pig, which, you know, when this airs is going to be in theaters now. Uh, Alex, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks so much, Mike. Appreciate right. it. Good luck with the bathroom, man. Thanks a lot. Yeah, I'll, I'll do my best. I mean, it, you, you know what? I realize most of your listeners are not going to know what that means. So let me clarify. Okay, good luck with the bathroom. I wasn't I wasn't having trouble. You took but, a huge dump and really No, Mike, Mike. <laughs> I came into this hotel room and there was a seance happening in the bathroom. And the lights are flickering on and off and the sink is going. <laughs> and then the, the toilet is going. <laughs> And I'm listening to this whole thing happen while I'm trying to give like a serious answer to Mike. And meanwhile, my, you know, bathroom's having a seizure. It's like a nightclub in there. Nightclub of demonic spirits. Uh, well, you know, either way, I hope it gets, you know, exercised or figured out, uh, whatever needs to happen. But uh, Me too! I... <laughs> awesome, man. I appreciate you taking the time. Thanks a lot, bro. All right. uh...